Hello and welcome to this episode of the Coaching Podcast from British Canoeing Awarding Body. Hello, welcome to the British Canoeing Coaching Podcast. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by the England Talent Programme. This is the first of a three-part strength and conditioning series. In future episodes, we'll be discussing what is developmentally appropriate SNC and physical preparation across our Olympic and Paralympic disciplines, the importance of physical preparation and establishing those robust foundations and fundamental principles in adolescent athletes. But today, we're going to talk more about sport sampling what it is and how it can be useful for developing athletes. My name's Daniel Thompson. I'm the Talent Operations Coordinator for British Canoeing and joining myself with discussions on this topic area today is Ben Lewis, our Pathway Strength and Conditioning Coordinator for the England Talent Programme at British Canoeing. Hi, Ben. Hello, Daniel. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. And before we start, I wanted to sort of give a bit of a background for you of yourself and um, your role at British Canoeing and your previous background in SNC. Yeah, no, certainly. So, uh, so I started out working um, in British tennis in my early days. So that was supporting the, the development of junior British tennis players coming through uh, the program and trying to transition them through different age ranges and. Um, so I did that up until 2014. Uh, 2014, I took the role of, of head of SNC at Nottingham Trevor University. And within that, I was responsible for uh, managing the whole programme and, and working in multiple different sports and, and managing a team of SNC coaches um, to deliver on that. Uh, during my time at the uni, um, we supported a lot of developmental sports, um, which led to me leading the uh, SNC provision for table tennis England as well. Um, and within that, we put a lot of work within that that youth development phases in terms of how an athlete can kind of progress through through the system and, and ultimately make it to to a kind of a, a senior role. Um, and had that role as head of SNC at Trent for um, seven years, I think, um, before kind of taking the, the mantle of SNC coordinator for the pathway at British Canoeing. Um, and here my role is to, to work closely with the coaching team um, to kind of support the education and, and how the kind of programmes align from throughout the pathway and ultimately how we take and progress athletes through their athletic journey, um, wherever that should, you know, wherever that that may may go um hopefully kind of ending up in, in kind of world-class programs great no thank you for um some of your background there um really really looking forward to chatting with you today and for the next couple of podcast episodes on um snc and we hope that this three-part series will be really useful for the coaches parents of young developing athletes and adolescent athletes themselves so going into today's podcast episode of sports sampling that's a term that's commonly thrown around by NGBs and, and sport coaches. But what, what does the term sport sampling actually mean? It, it is one of those terms that get, gets thrown around. Uh, you, you tend to find that in NGBs that they seem, seem to be sort of the hot buzzwords. Um, and so kind of sport sampling, or you may have heard it called sport diversification, if you want it to sound even fancier. Mm. Um, it essentially involves children trying a variety of sports and physical activities. So rather than specialising it in one particular sport, and, and when we say specialising, you know, 
it essentially means an intense practice within that sport and that's at the exclusion of other sports um, as well what we're talking about is a, a broad exposure um, across multiple sports and, and multiple different landscapes so therefore that athlete can kind of pick up different skills and difficult physical capabilities um, along the way what i think is is interesting to to touch on is that kind of early specialization because it does get you know there's a lot of conversation around it in terms of you know there's a camp saying it's a good thing there's a camp saying that it's not a good thing um, and i think where where i kind of sit within it is the difference between early exposure in sport and early specialization so if we were to take uh, if we were to look at paddle sports and um, particularly kind of from a, a canoe slalom perspective uh, we know that um, historically success has been shown that if you you know if you hit a junior worlds at a kind of J17 or you make a senior appearance at Worlds around 22, that historically has been an indicator of success. Yeah. Um, so particularly that kind of that earlier age range, it's important to be exposed to the sport so you can start to understand um, the technical and tactical demands um, and how to apply that within the sport. Um, and, you know, that, that happens from an early age. But to develop holistically and to develop the kind of the physical qualities, um, that kind of underpin the technical and, uh, and, and tactical, we would use kind of broad physical skills and that's where we would use sport sampling, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, thanks for talk, touching on a, a little bit around early exposure, early specialization as well, because that's sort of a, a key thing that um, needs to be thought about as well as when we're talking about this topic of sport sampling. Um, but actually going back to what you mentioned at the beginning about sports sampling and having that broad exposure to a variety of different sports. Um, so why is it important to have that broad exposure to that variety of different sports? Yeah, that, that, that's a good question. I think, you know, we've talked about it for, for a long time. It's trying to keep it as a, what some kind of clear kind of take on messages that, that we can we can discuss and for me I'll, I'll try and break it down into a few a few different areas so the first one being is is looking at athletes transitioning through so transitioning through from a, a junior adolescent into a senior program um, and essentially if we were to look at if you know if the goal of what we're trying to do is to develop a standout adolescent player then early specialization makes sense and it can be successful because you'll you know you'll accelerate that development from a young age um, however, if we're looking to maximise the athletic talents um, to kind of transition through for, for senior success, um, then a lot of kind of the evidence, both academic and, and anecdotal, will suggest that those who've been exposed to multiple sports and um, multiple sport participation um, with that later specialisation, that tends to increase the success um, at a later at a later kind of stage of life. So. You, you know you tend to see you can get adolescents who are really you know excelling at their sport at kind of 14 15 we used to see it in tennis yeah. a lot they'd be unbelievable um you know we had guys who were sort of number one in europe but they never they never made that transition across um so we're starting to look at, at why that might be i think um so i think that's that's something that's really interesting the second point and, and a real crucial one is looking at injury um so specifically like the repetitive nature of sport and the demands of canoe and kayak, you know, they place very unique um, stresses upon the body. Um, so things such as, you know, sitting in the boat, being that, in a, you know, sitting or kneeling, 
um, and the repetitive actions that come across from the trunk and the shoulder. So if you think sort of globally about the time that's spent in these positions in the boat, that's going to put a lot of wear and tear on the body, which obviously, you know, when the body can't handle that amount of work, it can start to break down. And the other thing that it will lead to, it, it can lead to a very specialised set of skills, but quite a narrow bandwidth of motor skills and motor learning. So what that can inevitably do is that athlete progresses um, through later stages of development, they can have a, a slightly lower, like lower ceiling. And within that, it can be kind of, you know, an increased risk of injury. Um, so I think that that's a really important important point to kind of get an understanding of. Um, thirdly, I think it, you know we we do really need to touch on on potential burnout because that tends to be what we see quite a lot is you see a lot of athletes excelling through and then and then you never really hear about them again um, or you don't necessarily see them in, in those circles and um, it tends to be that boy it, it it can lead to if you focus so much time you spend so much time in one sport it can potentially lead to a little bit of isolation within that and yeah. you can miss out on, um, on, on, on other areas of, of life as well. Um, I know certainly for me, that, that's something that I found. So I, I was a tennis player and, and you spend so much time just focused and drugging that one sport that you miss out on, on other things. And then when you start to experience those other things, um, you know, it, it can kind of, distract you from, from the sport and um, because you've been so focused in something for so long and um, that tends to be potentially a, a lead for the athletes dropping out of the sport and then finally the, the thing that i think is the the most interesting from my perspective is is looking at motor learning and looking at development from a, a, a holistic point of view and a lack of exposure to certain elements of motor learning can later on have an impact in life. Um, so not just from, from the athletic career, uh, but kind of the general physicality later in life, that kind of saying that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And essentially the, the nature of motor learning is very neurally driven. Um, and a young, a young athlete will have a high degree of neural plasticity. And that kind of, you know, that sort of therefore leads to the, the building of these neural connections and coordinating these pathways. It's, it's much easier to do so when the athlete is that kind of development stage um, as opposed to kind of later on, um, later on in life. So the greater the exposure to different physical environments, um, it creates more adaptability to a variety of situations because they've got a greater neural network. And everyone likes an analogy, so I was trying to think of what what kind of makes my sort of whittlings make a bit more sense, I, I suppose. And if you kind of think of a tube map, the more lines you have, the more destinations you can go and the more routes you can explore to reach your destination. So if you only have a Bakerloo line, you can only reach Elephant Castle. And if that line isn't working, you have no other option to use and you could potentially never reach that chosen destination. So it's about trying to kind of lay all those foundations and lay all those pathways so the athlete can kind of go in any direction they want and they can problem solve anything that kind of they, they come across so kind of just to kind of recap the, those areas for me it's it's looking at the evidence around transitioning from juniors up, up through to seniors and um, it's looking around sort of the wear and tear um, around those injuries looking at athlete burnout from potential isolation um, and then kind of how the body is going to going to learn um, and, and pick up um, those kind of physical physical skills as they as they develop really
Yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, I think that's some really, really good points that you mentioned there. And um, I really, really like that analogy um, that you just mentioned around, you know, I was pitching that in my head as you were talking around tube map and, um, yeah, seeing that just the London tube map and seeing all the different tube lines. And then when you were saying, you know, you've got that and having um, a sports sampling, a variety of exposure to different sports, it means that there's other avenues of motor learning in other sports that um when we talk about motor learning we talk about movement patterns here and, and movement skills and and then being able to apply that into um the sport of paddle sports when you're coming across a problem for instance and um, so yeah I, I really like that analogy there yeah. i think i think the other way to think about it is if you know if you went if you went to school and you were only offered one subject then you would look at that and you would potentially worry about what the development is going to be academically and what options that's going to give that person, you know, as they kind of progress through life. Um, and, you know, we wouldn't deem that to be acceptable if you went to school and you only got taught English, for example. So therefore, why do we think it's appropriate in sport to just be provided one sport and that's all we do? Um, it's kind of another way to kind of get you yeah absolutely yeah so you talked a little bit about um sports sampling and um, having exposure to a variety of different sports now within um our sports or paddle sports are there particular sports that you would say would be ideal for say a canoe sprint athlete or a canoe slalom athlete for instance um yeah so it, it, it's kind of it's trying to find kind of context behind when you're looking at multi-sport sampling, like what skills are going to transfer. Um, so how does one skill transfer to another? Um, so it's sort of like, what are you using that, that sport or what are you trying to get from that skill um, and what will be gained from doing it? So if we were to look at things such as gymnastics, um, climbing or martial arts, I would say they are very kind of strong transferable skills. So they're going to require large degrees of kind of body awareness um exceptional kind of levels of strength and really good trunk control and flexibility and if we look at kind of those underpinning qualities all of those principles are going to transfer to um to the requirements you know when you're in the boat and you're on the water um so i would say it's like it's looking at sports where you'd get specific um kind of skill transfer from um another one would be swimming so an athlete's going to have to develop a good relationship between you know how the shoulders work with the trunk and how the trunk works with the hips and it also is going to build uh, a good energy system development in similar sort of muscles so big lats big pulling muscles um again which will kind of you know help transfer to, to canoeing but then there's other other sports that you can do that might not directly relate to canoe and kayak performance but they might provide sort of gross motor skills and, and movement skills so you could look at um, you know, doing athletics will teach you how to run and sprint properly um, and jump properly and throw properly, for example. Um, you can look at football will help how you kind of have like good foot-eye coordination um, and agility and change of direction. Uh, the same you could say for tennis in terms of hand-eye coordination and agility and, um, and all those sports to name a few. So you would, you would definitely gain skills um, for them, but we would look, they would probably be more global skills, which will still help in that athlete's development. So it's sort of trying to have that branch of what's going to give us specific transferable skills in the sports I've listed. And there's probably more out there as well. Um, but then just kind of a few that, that spring to mind. But but then it's also kind of what sort of global skills can you get from other sports that you might think aren't directly related as well. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, when, for instance, yeah, thinking about you know the muscle groups potentially that you're using in this, your power sport, whichever discipline you paddling in, and then whatever sports could you do that could help with those muscle groups is one thing. But as you said, thinking globally, there's other sports for, around um, the gross motor movement skills that, that could really help. So yeah, I can understand everything there. What you're saying. So based on um, what you just said there, how could you apply that in other work that our athletes do, such as like land-based work, for instance? Yeah, that, that, that's a good question, I was thinking. It's when we're looking at kind of the S&C programmes, particularly from um, that kind of long-term athletic development, we, we're very conscious of a good way to kind of use that S&C and all that land-based work is, is to kind of fill the gaps on some of that physicality. So rather than it just being what we don't want to do is bring someone to the gym day one and we try and train them like they're on the world-class program because it, it a it's not relevant and b it, it's a very sort of narrow bandwidth like we spoke about earlier so we're very much kind of looking at you know you'll hear that sort of term fundamental movement skills and fundamental patterns and, and from that younger age i'm a big believer that those things should be should be added into their land-based training so what things can can be added in to improve their uh, jumping ability or balance ability or um, agility and coordination, those sorts of things. So I think it, it, it's really important to add those things in um, and using that land-based opportunity as, as a platform to do that. So, so that could be anything from, um, like we say, developing balance. It could be standing on one leg um, or things that are going to challenge that kind of um, that kind of skill it could be anything from um having to coordinate different patterns of movement that are kind of you know very global um so you'll see in the, the what it takes to progress and the adf there'll be a lot of sort of animal movement patterns um that are at that early stage and and the uh the outcome from that is trying to like I say have it as a very sort of large bandwidth of physical development um but i do think using the land-based training um to complement the sport and adding and adding all those kind of things into to top up and fill the gaps from a holistic sort of development point is really is really important yeah that's good i can see what you're saying there how it can um, add up to their training and uh, top up what they um might need to work on to improve in, in areas um and obviously what you mentioned there some some of those um examples of, of different exercises are on our athlete development framework and um so if you go on to the british canoeing um awarded body website if you search for that there's um, a number of links of, of different videos of different exercises that um, you were referring to there so i do encourage um people to um, look at that document and, and watch some of the videos there. Um, a lot of coaches and um, uh, paddlers might, and parents might think that, um, oh, there's, there's a particular time that I need to specialise because I need that exposure to the sport um, to, to be able to progress on to the next level. So by this particular age or something, I, I need to specialise in, in just the one sport. Um, is there a particular time that you need to specialise? I mean, that is that is the killer question. Um, and if I figure it out, I could probably go and make a lot of money, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of money somewhere. Um, it's such a hard question to answer um, because it's such a it's such a complex process, and progress is you know it's non-linear in nature. You know, you can have athletes who 
you know, perform really well and only have growth spurt, then they do, mm -hmm. and then they come back up. So it, it's not like the, this kind of straight, nice line trajectory um, as they go through. I think it's it's one of those things where it's it's uh, it's a relationship um, between you know those kind of key stakeholders. So from mum and dad, the athlete, the coaches, um, any support staff they might be working working with at the time to kind of look at look at the program, look where they're you know look where they're currently at and um it's almost sort of like you know you've got to dial up and dial down certain areas so like we spoke about kind of that early exposure to the sport is crucial and um, so they can develop the technical the, the technical and tactical kind of awareness um but we can build quite a lot of the the physicality through that kind of sport sampling or through the sport sampling process and as they sort of transition through their adolescence it'd be a case of that you might have to dial up the specificity a little bit so if you dial up the specificity then you dial down kind of some of the global stuff um so for example if if it's become apparent from kind of you know the coaches and the parents and the athlete they need more time on the white water from a swallowing perspective then okay well maybe rather than doing two other sports we might you might remove that one sport so it opens up more time to yeah. spend and um, you know developing and spending time in, in the landscape that that kind of that, that they're choosing to do more work in because ultimately it comes down to the athlete as well as they'll start to find their um start to find their feet with what sports they're enjoying and where they see their their, their progress going and what sport they would like to start specializing in and um, and i think it's our role to kind of support them in that and educate them in that um, and if you kind of refer to some of the stuff that's in the ADF frameworks and the and the what it takes to progress frameworks, you'll see kind of you'll see that sliding scale of kind of um, number of hours will be will be uh, number of specific training hours will be less and kind of more global um, training hours will be more. And as they kind of progress through to that adolescence, you'll see that we would expect more hours to take place on that specific training, and we'll dial down kind of the the um, the non-specific kind of global training as well but it's there's no sort of magic number that you get to this point and now you want to specialize i think it's an, an evolving process that that is constantly reviewed and evaluated from from everyone involved um, and again you can look at historically and, and you can see trends um, and some sports will say that you know when you get to that late adolescence is where you probably start to specialize a little bit more yeah. um, and that doesn't mean that you specialize and you don't do any um you know any other sports at all but it just means your your focus um you know starts to kind of get sharpened in and you start to kind of dial in on that kind of top end of, of specificity but yeah I, I would love to give you a kind of do this at this stage and you'll and you'll be a world champion but uh, i'm not in a position to do so i don't think there might be someone out there who's much smarter than me who can give you a better answer but that's that's kind of uh my my thoughts on it currently no, no, that that makes perfect sense of what, what you mentioned there, and um, and I think as everything that you mentioned in this podcast episode today, talking about sports sampling and the exposure to different sports and the key principles of why why we would undertake sports sampling, um, is really important and key, and then working in. Um, correlation with your the coach and the parent to, to understand that athlete because each athlete is also unique in themselves and uh, for what could work for one person might not work for for another person for instance 
And as, as you mentioned, there's a couple of those resources, um, the athlete development framework that's um, currently on the um, British Canoe and Awarding Body website. So um, yeah, if you please feel free to um, search for the athlete development framework on, on there and um, you can see exactly what, what you just meant, talked about there, Ben. Um, so I could talk to you about sport sampling um, all day. It's been a really interesting topic. Um, but I'm going to sort of draw this podcast to a close now. So um, before I um, could summarise everything, Ben, is it, what would be sort of your, your key take-home message to, to everybody uh, listen to this podcast episode around sports sampling? Uh, I think it's, it's understanding why you would look at sports sampling. So kind of breaking it down to what we spoke about earlier in terms of the evidence currently suggests that those who've been exposed to a... Um, you know, multiple sports um, early on in life have tend to transition into that senior world um, slightly better than those who've specialised. Obviously, there's, there's caveats to that. Um, and I think understanding how the body learns and adapts, and, you know, we use that, that tube map analogy, and I think trying to visualise that and see how the sports sampling will open up lots of doors for you um, and lots of routes and lots of avenues you can, you can pursue. And ultimately, that leads to kind of reducing injury risk and and, and decreasing the risk of, of burning out in, in the sport. So, um, I think that's a key message. I think the final one is is kind of understanding the the context behind why you why you might look at certain sports. So, are you looking for kind of specific skills, um, you know, or more more transferable skills from sports, um, and what that gives you versus other sports that might give you more global skills and how that can impact an athlete um, as well so yeah great thank you um yeah to sort of summarize and um, we've talked a lot about um sports sampling in this podcast episode of how important it is and how it actively encourages those um help with motor learning processes from from that physical and, and neurological perspective that you mentioned there ben and the evidence that's shown um, it, how highly effective it is to not specialise too early can prevent early burnout, reducing the risk of injury, as well as improve those cognitive and, and movement skills, um, which is really, really important. So thanks, Ben, for this podcast episode. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. This podcast is available on the British Cameroon Awarding Body page and also on our Talent Parent Programme webpage on the podcast section of the British Canoe website. It's also available to listen to on Spotify, Podbean or Apple podcast channels. Just follow our podcast name, British Canoe Coaching. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. Remember to review, rate and subscribe. Bye for now.